ever really gone. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. confidential gang melody Eagles, welcome mel hey hey dan pierce welcome what's up mo walker welcome glad to be here i am too like i'm looking forward to discussing shazam we've got some game of thrones stuff to discuss we've got some tv and disney plus sabrina has come out on netflix the second season but before we get to all of that disney released a teaser for Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker. And the whole planet, entertainment planet, imploded on itself from the teaser. Mo, what did you think? I'm really glad that that the trailer dropped. It feels like it's been forever since we've even heard about uh, Episode 9. And based on the trailer, I'm I'm really excited. Glad to see Billy D. Williams back. Uh, Glad to see... That uh, Carrie Fisher is going to make some sort of cameo in this or, or be a part of this film. It's really got me jazzed about what's going to happen. The one thing I am concerned about, and it goes to the title, it's this Rise of the Skywalker. Is it? Are, are we going to go down that, that road of Rey being a Skywalker or is the Jedi Order going to become like the Skywalker Order? Who knows? But I, I'm, I'll be glad to see that film when it drops in December. Dan, what was your thoughts or reaction? I absolutely loved it. I'm super excited that Emperor Palpatine is back. I'm super excited to see Carrie Fisher and like just I she is she is severely missed. Um, and you know. Getting to see more of Ray's story um, will definitely be great, and I'm interested to see Ray, Poe, and Finn all interacting at the same time uh, because we haven't gotten that throughout the first two films. It's always been like two of them over here and one person's on their own doing their own thing. Um, so that that's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm really excited for some parkour that she seems to have picked up. That that was pretty spiffy. Uh, Kylo Ren getting his helmet back. It looked like that was certainly something. Uh, but yeah, no, it it should be good. The idea that Palpatine is back though has gives me so many questions, and I'm so happy to see Billy D. Williams back as Lando Calrissian. He has been severely missed, and I wish he had come back earlier, but here we are. And so, yeah, I'm excited for the film. See, my question about, and this is just sort of following up to Mo, is does Rise of the Skywalker mean Rey, or does it mean Kylo? I I'm, feel like that's the question. Like, right. That's the conundrum. I feel like it's going to be Kylo. Mel, what was your reaction? 
Oh, so I absolutely loved this trailer. I was actually coming back from a work meeting and my boss was in the car and I straight up told her, I was like, there's a new Star Wars trailer and I have to watch it. Sorry. (laughs) And then I proceeded to watch the trailer, but I thought it was great. I feel like this one definitely has a new feel to it. I mean, JJ Abrams is back, which I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much for coming back. It, it was, looks so crisp in the trailer. I thought that was great. We see Ray. She has Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, and she is ready for action, y'all. She, she, I don't know what kind of training she's been doing in between the second and third movie, but who? I, 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 and you can see her in the trailer, like beginning to lead, starting to be the one. That's like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is our plan. Let's go. Let's make it happen. I thought that was great. Of course, seeing Billy D. Williams as Lando Carvacian with Chewie in the Millennium Falcon. Like, my heart, y'all. My heart. Because that is old school Star Wars. Like, that is your foundation right there. So, that was fantastic. I'm excited to see where it goes. Of course, we have Kylo Ren. He got, he's got his helmet back. That's the balance of the force, the light and the dark. There has to be a balance for this to work. And of course, Emperor Palpatine's laugh at the end. I'm like, he's not dead? I I thought he's been gone for a long time, but apparently not. So I definitely think this trailer sparked lots and lots of great questions. I can't wait to see how this epic series is going to come to a conclusion. Speaking of epic conclusions, Mo. What did you think of how Shazam turned out? I was really pleasantly surprised and I it was it was a very charming movie. It felt like the type of movie you would have seen in the 80s. Um obviously we got the big references with um B- uh, Billy turning into Shazam, but we got a bit of Goonies in there as well and a bit of Harry Potter with his his siblings and i i feel like people underestimate this film i think it's the type of film that dc the dc uh, film universe kind of needed which is i want to say something akin to their spider-man homecoming but it's it's clearly pulling from different sources than spider-man homecoming in terms of like film sources, the one big criticism that I do have with this film again goes back to um, the problems with a lot of the DC movie villains, particularly in that final act. I feel like uh, Doctor Savannah, we got we got that individual, we got the character's backstory and his in his motivation. Um, that was fine and everything. It just felt like, um, how, how do I want to put this? So, so essentially, if if you recall how Ghostbustery, uh, Suicide Squad became in that third act, we got a little bit of that as well with Doctor Savannah. We got a little bit of some Aries and uh, Aries kind of vibe as well, and I just think that the third act was somewhat somewhat predictable in that final battle with with doctors dr savannah um i knew i had a feeling that 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 twist that was coming in the third act 
revolving Billy's uh, foster siblings was coming uh, because I am familiar with the contemporary Shazam comic book. So it was very nice to see that. But overall, I thought it's a very solid film. I think it's, I was, I personally, I felt like a more touched and more moved walking out of that film than I did Aquaman. I would agree with you on that, Mo. Uh, what what would you give it out of five stars? Um, you know, I would I would certainly give it a, a three and a three and a half, three point seven five. I oh, mean, okay. I I agree with you on a lot of those points. Um, what was really weird is I was familiar with the twist at the end as well from the comics, but for whatever reason, it didn't cross my mind that they would actually do it because I figured that they were going with more of the classic style with Shazam. I didn't think that they were going to end up having all of the siblings be members of the uh, I don't even know how it's described members of Shazam. Shall we say it sounds like a rock band almost. Um, I thought that that was a good twist. It was very heartfelt. It was very fun to see each of the, the foster siblings in their a role as an adult we got to see zachary levi go back and forth a lot through the entire film but in the third act when you have the big finale and you're seeing like the littlest sister having her childish mentality as an adult that was a lot of fun and then you got to see the various other characters that was good i it was a solid film it was really enjoyable i I laughed and and I enjoyed it from that perspective. I do feel like it, I enjoyed it more than Aquaman, but in a different way. So how I would sort of compare it, I felt like Shazam is sort of the DC Universe's Ant-Man in that it's a smaller story and the they're not going for epic scale. I enjoy Ant-Man equally as much as, say, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a much bigger story, and I would I would compare Aquaman more to a Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know that I would actually compare Aquaman to Shazam from that standpoint. I feel like there's a place in the DC Cinematic Universe for both of those stories, and we haven't really seen that so much because for the majority of what we've gotten in film in recent years, Suicide Squad... Justice League, Batman, Aquaman, those are all epic stories. This was a story about family, much the way Ant-Man was. And I I feel like it's a little bit unfair to compare the two. I feel like it's sort of like, as much as I enjoy Ant-Man, it's never going to be in my top maybe 10 of the Marvel movies. But it's always a thoroughly enjoyable movie that I'm going to watch if it's on, you know? So I, I'm a, I was a little bit conflicted about it that way. But overall, it was really fun. Zachary Levi did a great job, and it was good. I look forward to hearing what Mel has to th- say about it once she finally watches it. So we'll come back to that some point when Mel, when Mel has watched it. Game of Thrones. We're recording this on a Saturday. It premieres Sunday night. I have a Game of Thrones viewing party that I am throwing here. And one of the things that we're going to do for the, the party is a who will die pool. Basically, you're going to have to predict who it is that will bite it before the end of the season. And I was thinking that it might be fun for us to actually do it as well. So I'm going to um, get, send you guys the pool 
tonight and you can fill it out tomorrow morning and text me an image of it before the show starts and then we'll have it on record and we'll see who of us four is the best at predicting death counts mel what are you looking forward to most about game of thrones now that it's finally here i'm just like can i just say everything i mean we only have a limited number of episodes left and they're all going to be long episodes. This Sunday's episode is what, like 80 minutes or something. Right. They're, they're... I am so excited. We, we know that when we last left Westeros, John and Daenerys, we all know what happened. So in the trailers, it kind of looks like they walking with a little extra pep in their step, a little extra smile. You know what I mean? Um, Danny is still wearing her best rabbit fur coat. I, y'all, I'm so excited. Of course, Cersei. I want to see everything she has to say. Can I predict that Cersei's gonna die? Because I feel like it's gonna happen. Oh, I'm. T- I I feel. My prediction is Cersei's going to die. Sansa's going to be the new Cersei, but Cersei's going to die because of Arya. Like, I'm, I haven't exactly figured out how Cersei's going to die yet. I almost feel like Cersei's going to go out and it's going to be like somebody totally random that's going to get her. Like, it's not going to be Danny or John or somebody. It's going to be, she's going to be walking on the street in King's Landing and somebody's going to be like, Broop, over, it's done. She's going to be dead. Like, I kind of feel that's the way it's going to go. But I don't know for sure. I was hearing chatter in the Game of Thrones fandom about the third episode being the longest episode. It's supposed to have the longest battle scene. I'm really excited about that because this show tends to do wars and battles very, very well. I also want to know what's going to happen to Tyrion Lannister in the end. Like... here, in addition to the death count, in addition to the Cersei who will kill her question, I have another question for you because I was scrolling through Twitter and I don't remember the website that had it, so I apologize. But there was an article that was hypothesizing that Danny, our a Khaleesi, a beloved Khaleesi for many, is actually going to end up being the true villain of the final season and i have always i'm not a danny fan um and i have always felt that her all or nothing attitude that is very targaryen was just like bubbling below the surface because the way she has handled some things have have made have made me wonder if she might go a little bit mad herself if she doesn't get what she wants so in addition to who will kill cersei which of the Starks will still be left standing? Do mm. you think that Danny will end up being one of the big villains of this season? I don't know. I I feel like I need to see more of the season to maybe determine what's going on. But Game of Thrones is definitely a show where you think you might know what's going to happen and you don't. You have no idea. So don't do it. Don't no. even try to guess. Uh, what are you looking forward to most? What are your predictions for Cersei, for Danny, and which of the Stark children will survive? Well, um, for me, what I'm looking forward most to is the politics, is the the soapiness of obviously once it's only a that that Danny and John being related. That's a ticking time bomb that. You know, quite frankly, I'm just waiting for that to go off to see the react, see everybody's reaction, to see, you know what, she could be pregnant, she could end up pregnant by 
by her nephew. Who knows? We'll see. I'm curious. I'm very curious about it. I'm. I'm also again. I'm curious about. Are we going to get another scene with all the Lannister siblings together? I feel like we will. I feel and, like it's going to be, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be a small intimate scene with the three of them. I feel like it's going to be a Danny um, meets Cersei for the first time, two sides opposite of each other type scene. Okay, okay, okay. I, I can see that. I just feel like that needs to be like a major beat at this point. Now that um, we all, I, I just I just need them, the Lannisters to put all their cards on the table, especially now that, you know, more or less uh, Tyrion has been cleared of, of Joffrey's, of Joffrey's murder, more or less. And just, just to like have them lay out their grievances. But I agree with Mel. I think, um, it, I think Arya is gonna die trying to get Cersei, and then somebody else is gonna get Cersei. And I, you know what? I think Gendry, you you don't don't he is a dark horse. Do not think. Oh, I think he'll be alive. I think he'll survive. And I think he needs to confront Cersei. He needs to confront his stepmother. I want that because because to me, I feel like that's a card that needs to be turned over. And it goes back to the politic. It goes back to the family soap of it all. Um, that's that's one of the things I'm definitely interested in seeing. I, in terms, I think Jon Snow will die and he won't come back. Yep, I uh, agree. I think uh, Bran and Sansa will be the only two Stark siblings who will be alive at the at the end of this. And I agree with everything about Sansa becoming the new Cersei once this is all over. Um, no, it, regarding it, to me, for me, it's almost perfect that she becomes the new Cersei. And the reason why I say that is Littlefinger is dead. If Cersei is dead, there's another major manipulator. Granny Tyrell is dead. You start going down the list of the people who play politics at the highest levels that are like the manipulators. Most all of them are dead with the pos. Well, we'll see what happens with Varys, but they're all dead except for Tyrion. I feel like Sir, like Sansa is now going to be whether or not she's the wardeness of the North or I'm not sure how that's all going to play out, but I feel, I am convinced she will be the next Cersei. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. And I was going to throw this out there that, that kind of hasn't been mentioned yet in, in terms of like returns from the dead. The night King is coming, right? <laughs> Who is the night King going to bring back to life? Right. And to so join his army of the dead. Cause <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I, Have y'all heard that theory about Bran actually being the Night King? Yeah, I've, I've heard, heard that. I've heard yeah. that theory. And then, I, like, last night, I'm re-watching the series, um, and we watched the Hodor episode. And it still makes me wonder if Bran, if the theory about Bran being the Three-Eyed Raven, the old Three-Eyed Raven, and him being young, and it's all a loop, it just came home to me, it, like... Whatever was happening with Hodor, the fact that he was being controlled by the Raven to hold the door, like mm, it's it can go either way. Whether or not he's the white, like whether or not he's the Night King or if he's the Three Eyed Raven, 
for me, I'm leaning towards the Three-Eyed Raven, but I really have the Hodor episodes like fresh in my memory, so that's probably why. There's also the theory that he's a Stark, n- not necessarily just like Bran or whatever, but like a Stark and thus his relationship with John and like there are a couple signs here and there of like okay so he's come from the north he was there 3000 years ago when uh, and was created by the children of the forest what families go back that far in the north right you know, you st- and i mm. feel like i see I, that was my other theory for him for the night king is that like when you start going back it was it's interesting cuz i'm we're in the middle of watching season 6 it's interesting when you're watching it to be seeing Bran going back and having these flashbacks and seeing this stuff that's happened in the past and you see how like the white walkers and the night king uh, were created by the fairies and you wonder and it's like okay if it went back that far when the Targaryens first came over with their dragons, what Stark was around? And that was a question that had crossed my mind. Dan, what will happen to Cersei? What is going to, what is your prediction for the Starks? Oh, James. Do, do you think that Danny is going to be one of the big bads of this season? So in terms of Cersei, Jamie's definitely going to kill her. I think that goes two ways. I feel like it's either Arya or it's Jamie. It's going to be one of those two, but I don't know how Jamie and Brienne is going to play play out. So, like, whether or not Jamie kills Cersei, I feel is really dependent on what happens with Brienne. There. So you you remember Cersei's whole prophecy thing when she was a little girl and met the witch in the forest and said that she would have three kids and gold would be their crowns and gold would be their shrouds. The show left out like a key phrase from that prophecy that the books have where basically a little brother's hands would be around her throat sort of situation. And it could either be from that perspective, it could either be Tyrion or it could be Jamie because Cersei is technically like a couple minutes older there's also the theory about whether or not Tyrion is really a Targaryen. Oh yeah, that is also true because um, the Mad King did really have a thing for Joanna back in the day, uh, apparently. So okay, um, interesting that you're saying that Jamie's going to be the one who um, knocks off Cersei. Yes. Arya, will she survive? Which of the so, Starks? And I, for this theory, I should just say for this theory, we're we're still considering John to be. A Stark, even though yeah, well, he's a Stark for all a intents and purposes, he's a, he well, is a Stark. Yeah, I know, he's but like, uh, there's yeah. a lot of people who, when they're discussing the show, is like, well, he's really a Targaryen, and I'm like, well, he's still a Stark, his mom's side, but yeah. like, uh, I still count him as one of the Stark siblings. And when I ask the question, which of the Starks will survive, he's included. He's more Ned than like, arguably anyone in. In terms of just his general personality and, like, his unwillingness to lie or, like, dishonor himself in any way. I think Ari is going to die, but I don't think it's going to be through completing her list. 
Oh, see, I think she will. I think she'll complete the list. Well, see, there or are she'll two... get everybody except for one person on the list. There are I two think... people still on the board from her list, though. I mean, how is she going to go kill Ilan Payne when she's in the north and Cersei's basically got everyone down south? Well, um, a girl has no name. Okay, a girl. Ha- a girl has no name. Dragons. A B and C. This is also something going through season six that I have fresh in my memory when she was um, battling the, her the female trainer. Like at one point in there, the the trainer was asking her about the list, and maybe I misunderstood it. It's entirely possible that I misunderstood it, but she kept asking Arya about who's on her list, and so at one point during that training, Arya started taking some people off the list who weren't dead from what I remember. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I could be. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, so maybe something like the really important people like Cersei are off of it, but maybe some of the other people aren't still on that list. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but I will say Arya, I would say has the greatest shot of dying. Brand being up there as well, because I do think that it's like as much of like a seer and like time traveling and all of that sort of stuff that he can do now with as the three eyed raven. At some point, his body in the present is going to be vulnerable. Someone takes him out. Suddenly, our heroes are essentially playing the whole game blind. See, I feel like. Of all the Starks, I feel like he's the one who's guaranteed to survive. Like, as much as I would love for Sansa to survive, I would see her biting it before Bronn. And the reason why I say that is the whole motto of this series is winter is coming. And if you go on the premise that the Three-Eyed Raven is basically watching the cycles of time... You have to have a three-eyed raven because even though this battle might be devastating and they might defeat him in fantasy, even when you've defeated the big bad, like it's Voldemort and like having his body in in the seven horcruxes or how many ever horcruxes it was, the, the villain always comes back. And so I feel like they have to have the counterpart, the all-seeing person for the next cycle. And so for me, I feel like Bran is the one who's guaranteed to survive of them all. I also have a theory. You guys were talking about Gendry before, and he's one of my favorites, and I'm really glad that they're like going to focus on him a little bit more. I'm hoping for some him and Arya time. Um, but there's a fan theory out there that's pretty good. What if... Cersei is his mother. Hair color doesn't work. It does. If you remember episode two, Cersei talked about her first son that she gave birth to from Robert was a brown haired boy that they took away from her because of deformities and all of this stuff. But we, you know, soap rules. We didn't see a body. So you're I'm thinking sh- that the brown hair is the deformity? No, I'm I'm saying that. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm just saying that like people lying to a Lannister. What? 
True, true. Here's the other thing about that, and I've been thinking about him a lot. I feel like Gendry and Sansa are going to end up together. I realize that Arya... I feel like Arya and him had their connection when they were young before all this shit really hit the fan. I mean, yeah, Ned died and they were running, but before Arya went through everything, all the people who think that he and Arya are going to end up together, I don't think it's going to be the case. I think my theory has been that with him, it's going to be revealed that he's a Baratheon. With the Baratheons basically taken off the board the way that they have been, once that's once his identity is revealed and he becomes like, I still f- go back to the helm that he had in the cart in, in the first season. I feel like John and Danny, if both of those two survive, are going to be down on the Iron Throne somewhere. And I feel like Sansa is going to be powerful in her own right, but she still needs a husband. How does, if if you're going to keep that that line going through her, how do you keep Sansa in control of Winterfell while giving her a a, a legitimate husband from a family that has a lineage? You marry her to the one-off of the Baratheon who since there aren't really very many Baratheons left could has claim to that if he wants it. And so I feel like he may not get the Baratheon holdings back, but him as a Baratheon married to Sansa works. That, that absolutely does work. Um, I will say that after all of the storm is settled, putting Gendry in charge of storm's end, which doesn't really have, anyone at it at the helm right now because like like you said all of the Baratheons are off the board it, it they might lean that way there's also there's the also the night watch the night watch needs is going to need help oh yeah they're, they're going to need help too but um there is also the possibility that like they marry Sansa to Podrick who's also from like a noble family um they don't necessarily have all of the holdings and such, but it's a high enough born person that it would sort of make sense. And given his proximity, because he's squiring for Brienne, and he's probably going to become a knight this season if they let him, uh, you know. Before we go on, I just want to reiterate one little thing that I was also reminded. Season six, watching it again, is still my favorite Game of Thrones season. But damn it, that little Lord of the Vale is a shit. And I'm, I rewatch the scenes where uh, Littlefinger shows up and he basically disregards the guy who has been the standard bearer liege underneath the Lord of the Vale for all these years and because Littlefinger shows up he sends him off I'm like I would I I don't know if he'll end up dead because the Vale is always sort of like this side thing over on the side but god damn it I hope he's dead like he's annoying as Joffrey but not in the sinister way that Joffrey is he's just as annoying as Joffrey in like the spoiled idiot way any other final Game of Thrones predictions from any of you before we move on to Sabrina? Here's a here's a grenade. What about um, the, uh, Theon Greyjoy and Sansa? 
No, 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 no. He, he, no, he no. really don't have anything to offer her at this point. <laughs> well, well, there's that, but like, I can't, I, I will not accept the person who stood by and watched her go through what she went through. His, his redemption arc being now being her husband. I do not accept that under any circumstance. How many other soap operas have a character who do who who went on that off? They also have Dick. Luke and Laura. Luke and Laura. There are plenty of soap characters who 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 stood by or did something wicked. Then came back. All I'm saying is they were fully functioning. That's all I'm saying. Uh, (laughs) He got fingers. He got fingers. That does not bear yeah, children. Crazy. That does not bear children. Tyrion and Sansa would be married before Gre- Greyjoy and him or her would be, in my opinion. Like, if you were going down the list of the hus- uh, like potential husbands for Sansa, not that she needs a husband because she could be powerful in her own right, but you go down the list. The Baratheon is my first pick, and you start going down through some of the other ones. Baratheon, Tyrion... A couple others. I would even put Jamie ahead of. I mean, she would never marry Jamie, but I would put Jamie ahead of Greyjoy. Wow. Mm. Any other grenades anybody wants to throw out there before we move on with predictions? What happens to the wildlings? Yeah. What What's the deal with Tormund? Yeah, because you know he got a real bad thing. Miss Brienne of Tarth, and she's not trying to give him the time of day, year, second, nothing. And Jamie Lannister's on his way. Yes. And we know how she feels about Mr. Jamie Lannister. Uh, so, I'm just saying. I, I also think that the Wildlings played a large part in the Battle of the Bastards. So, we still have plenty of battles left. Where do they fit into this puzzle? Here is my prediction. I feel like John is going to end up integrating them into the North because be, because of the battle with the White Walkers. I feel like some of the Northern houses are going to be wiped out. And so the Wildlings will now become full functioning members of Northern society. That's like, that's always sort of how I've um, envisioned it just from going back to his days when he was in love with the uh, red-haired lady whose name all of a sudden... Uh, Egret. Egret, thank you. I Like, even back then, it was she was basically fighting for the wildlings' legitimacy. And I feel like once the wildlings have fought beside the, the Southerners against the White Walkers, that when it all dust settles, some of these houses are going to be wiped out. And the wildlings in many respects are a parallel to all of the slaves that Danny has freed on the, uh, across the sea. And so we've seen how she has given those individuals legitimacy. I feel like the white walkers are the Westeros equivalent and that they will be given some form of legitimacy somewhere more. I mean, they could end up taking over the Baratheon lands or, you know, and I just feel like that's sort of how that will end up. Dan, do you have a grenade? Uh, 
Do we all think Sam's gonna die? Because I kind of feel like Sam's you gonna die. Shut your so mouth. here, yeah, when when you so. were when you were talking about who would become White Walkers, my first thought was Sam. Why y'all trying to kill Sam? Don't I, do him like that. Hey, but, hey, but hey, it's not like I w- I was like, oh man, Hot Pie, he's probably gonna die. It's just Sam. Come on. No, it's not just Sam. Sam has a very important key to the story. He knows who John really is. I'm so, just saying but, Gilly figured it out. Sam's just over here complaining yeah, about tec- work. Technically, Gilly figured it out. But here would be the thing, going back to the whole thing about Brand dying. If he died, Sam as the new three-eyed raven could work. Oh, Lord, if Sam is three-eyed raven, we ain't going to make it. <laughs> maybe, maybe Sam's you three-eyed raven. Kill the raven right now. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about some other stuff before we wrap up this episode. I've really enjoyed the discussion. I cannot wait. Oh, we may have to see what our schedules are like to see if we can record in the middle of the week a reaction to Game of Thrones. I don't know if we'll be able to pull it off, but I cannot wait to be back here in a week to discuss the episode with you. Mel, Sabrina season two is on Netflix. I have not watched a single episode. I'm sort of waiting for that to enjoy that until after I get through my Game of Thrones marathon. How is it? So I was really shocked that no one else had the chance to check this out because it's been out for like a week. Y'all, there is no sophomore slump, period. Okay, with Sabrina season two. This season, I'm not going to give it away because y'all haven't seen it yet, but Sabrina definitely comes into her powers more this season. I feel like her training she's getting at the Dark Academy is really helping her out. There's a lot more family interaction with Zelda and Hilda. Zelda kind of gets her own spinoff story this season, and ooh, oh, it's good. Um, Her friends... Mm. There's there's a lot that happens there that I can't talk about, but I definitely feel like in this season the beats are playing off so well. I love every all of the supernatural elements. I love oh y'all, I can't just I'm one episode away from finishing the season. So I definitely think this season sets up way more questions than I had last season, just about Sabrina's future and how her past is going to tie into her future and it definitely puts a strain on Sabrina wanting to be she is half mortal and she's half a witch but it definitely puts a strain on kind of the dichotomy of that of how she wants to be both and she may have to choose which one she wants to live more of and things of that nature but the actress that plays Sabrina is fantastic. To be such a little young person, I think she's great. She carries the show very well. I cannot wait to see how season three is going to come up. As soon as I finish season two, y'all will definitely enjoy season two. I will say that. I, I fully in, I fully intend to begin watching it next week once Game of Thrones, the season premiere, is behind us. Dan, Legends of Tomorrow is back. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear what you have to say about it, because I watching it thus far, I feel like they might have jumped the shark in terms of the cheesy camp. Like, 
I feel like other seasons have been able to balance that better. But this one, like the recent episode with the bug going in and out of everybody and everything, <laughs> I'm like... Mm. Uh, so what are your thoughts? I'm actually really enjoying it. It like So like the werewolf plot, um, I gotta say... It, they figured out what to do with Mona, which is great because before she was just kind of like this hanger on that we we don't need scenes of her. Well, now that she's a werewolf, it's like, okay, I get it. Um, I still don't like Nate and Zari being away from the team, but I'm kind of liking the development of them possibly like being romantical. Like that, if they started dating... I'd be like, all right, I, I, I see it. And, you know, they're kind of exploring those feelings, and that's cool. Um, I got to say, the camp and the cheesiness, I'm sort of, like, I, I'm enjoying it. And I'm sort of okay with them basically saying, screw it, we're just going to have fun. Um but they have to like they have to do it in a way that has like a beginning, middle and end in terms of like a story and sort of signal that a little bit better with their fans. I will say the most recent episode at the very end with the cliffhanger um, did a better job of that than previous episodes because that it it helps the audience reestablish that, oh yeah, there actually is a big bad at some point that they're going to have to face. There's all of that stuff that with Constantine from the beginning part of the season that you may have forgotten because we've been just wacky lately. Um, yeah, no, I can, I, I'm glad that the time bureau stuff is kind of taking a little bit of a backseat to the team. Um, and if that means that they had to break up Sarah and Ava, I get it. I but I, it hasn't really taken a backseat because instead of Sarah or instead of Ava being around, we've got more Gary, and Gary should only be around in small doses. That's and we've, true. And we've got the dad, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Well, I, I feel well, like even though Ava isn't around, like the storylines for the for the bureau have not lessened any. We well, you, you saw the end of the episode. Though, no, right? I know. I know what I'm no, I did. And I understand what you're talking about in terms of the cliffhanger, but I'm saying like, even though Ava's gone, the bureau is still front and center, at least the, in my opinion. I mean, even when the little wolf girl was in the bar, the bureau agents were there. Like they were running from bureau agents. I mean, I feel like the bureau is just everywhere. I just I, I I I think I appreciate it a little bit more now that it's like two different factions and they're not like mixing it with okay. legends and the bureau. You the legends aren't working for the bureau anymore. Is exactly okay. Okay, Mo, what are your thoughts on legends? Well, I, I agree. I think sometimes the the camp gets in the way of actually telling a story i mean the, the most recent episode the getaway in which where the team is trying to deal with uh you know nixon who is telling the truth i feel like that whole plot 
just kind of ended abruptly. You know, the the resolution didn't feel like a resolution. It just from from an actual plot standpoint, from a character standpoint, it was Nate and Nate Senior, you know, having this father son moment in which they really kind of see each other before the tragic twist happens at the end of the show, which I really liked. But it I I, I just again I feel like it was moving along and then they just said, okay, we've got to wrap this up. Cause we got five minutes left. And part of the problem, I just feel like sometimes the, uh, the time it just eats the show and there needs to be a bit more of a balance. And, you know, I don't have a problem with Nate any, and even Zari, like, you know, working at the Time Bureau a little bit and the Legends are kind of doing their own thing. But it just it, it just feels like there's just too much of the Time Bureau. I just feel like it, 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 it needs to be reined in a bit more. Any other final thoughts as we wrap this up? Is there anything that happened this last week in the world of Geek that you really um, wanted to touch on that we might have missed? Mel? I mean, we have less than two weeks until Endgame. I'm literally on the countdown because I can't wait. But I feel like we we touched on pretty much what I wanted to touch on. Okay, Dan, anything else popping up on your radar? Mm, not not really. Okay, Mo. Well, one big thing is is and it's Game of Thrones related. It's um, Ian Glenn who plays um, Jorah uh, Mormont. In Game of Thrones, um, he's the new Bruce Wayne uh, slash Batman in the second season of Titans, which is on the DC streaming service. Kind of, it's an interesting choice. Um, it is obviously Gotham is still airing. It's still got two more episodes, so we still get little Wayne in there, and then we've got you know Big Daddy Wayne coming in Titans. So, you know. There's no lack of Batman on television anytime soon. My final thought is I was rewatching. I've been rewatching season six of Game of Thrones. And as we know, that does not go very well for uh, Loris Tyrell. And he had a little bit of torture. And all I could think as I was watching that was you're being tortured as much as I was tortured watching Iron Fist. Oh, Ooh. snap. <laughs> on that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Melody is at Melody Akles. Dan is the, no, real Dan Pierce. And Mo is Dr. Mo 77. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Winter is coming. No, winter's here. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. <laughs>